Hello Internet, I'm Timothy and welcome to the ID Consultant Podcast. I've been asked this question so many times and it really took a long time for me to ponder whether or not I was going to do an episode about this because number one, it's it's a lot of information and I'm going to try to kind of condense it a little bit into this episode here so it's not too long. And the second thing is because, there. listen, it's we're all human here, right? I would hope so. <laughs> Everyone has like you know, their own ways of doing things. And I am I would openly admit that I'm fucking difficult to get along with. I'm not even joking. <laughs> the podcast may seem like I'm this nice guy, but in reality, I'm, I'm very, very reserved. I'm closed off. At times, that actually gets me in trouble with vendors. So I had to really think about uh, and sit back and, and, and look at my situation and whether or not I could speak about finding quality vendors because, yeah, I've had quality vendors before. But even like right now in this current situation that I'm in with one of my contractors, it's not necessarily an issue with me. It is and it isn't. It, and we'll get to that. But I had to really, really think about you know, this situation, and in order for me to ethically, you know, give that information to you. And when I say ethically, I mean that I just want to make sure that I understand my situation first before I can even speak about it. And so I have. And a lot of people were asking about this kind of question, even from episode two. And I said, you know, maybe maybe in the future I'll do it. And I did take this long of a time to think about the vendors I've gone through and those situations and, you know, reflecting back. And I think that's where you grow most as a designer is reflecting back on your projects and realizing, like, you know, how did that go? And could that have gone better? So on and so forth. Anyway, so one thing I can say is that finding quality vendors isn't really that difficult. What's difficult is making sure that that relationship is good relationship. Contractors and subcontractors specifically, they're a diamond in the rough, good ones, because they're unfortunately just like the design industry. There are a lot of contractors out there who care about the money more than doing a good job, and they care more about you know their pockets, I should say, than satisfying a customer. And I've been in that situation a lot. I'm going to tell you a story before we get into this. My current project, kitchen and bathroom renovation, from the very, very beginning of this project, I'm going to actually backtrack because I think this is really important. I used to work exclusively with a contractor. And the way that relationship worked was I was their sole designer for all of their projects. And they would pay me X amount of dollars per project. And usually it was it was a really small amount because I got a decent amount of projects from them. And these were really, really easy, like turnkey projects where it didn't really require too much time for me. And so when I was working for this contractor and doing all this work for them, Eventually, it went sour, and the reason why it went sour was because I went into business with the owner on a different venture, not even related to the design industry, and that wound up falling through. Long story short, he wasn't paying the rent, and we wound up getting kicked out of our space, and that was a really bad partnership, and when that happened, we made sure that we kept business away from personal, and I think that's really important too, even with vendors, is, you know, whatever happens on the, the project site should not extend into personal life, especially if you know that contractor from other sources. 
or you know you see that contractor outside you really you just don't want that drama so keep that drama away from the project site anyway we made sure that whatever happened in that business didn't affect us moving forward in the construction business and it didn't what wound up happening was we did a project in marino valley california which is pretty far from where we are and one of my responsibilities with that particular contract was to maximize profits and I wound up being at 46.6% profit for that project. Now, that's not me, you know, marking up materials astronomically. It's making sure that whatever work's being done is done effectively and efficiently, therefore resulting in us getting more profit. Because if we're not doing that work efficiently, then we kind of have to dip into our profits to make sure that that work can be done, you know, within the client's budget. So one of the things that we had agreed on with that particular project was the profit alone, we would split 50-50. That profit was $14,000 profit. And so when we're splitting a $14,000 profit, that's seven grand uh, in my pocket and seven grand in the construction company owner's pocket. So when that project was done, oh, and remind you, that is in addition to the design fee that that I had received from doing the design. And so when that project was done, we had sat down. Actually, we were literally at my townhouse and I was at the garage because he had just drove up and he was giving me a check. And he's like, how much do I owe you? I said, you know, seven grand because and I, I even did a whole form. I did, you know, uh, profit loss and gains. I laid out all of the material, how much we bought it for, how much we sold it for, hours that I did a lot of work on that paperwork to ensure that the owner understood what, you know, I was asking for. And not to mention we had already agreed on that. So I didn't need to do the paperwork. All we needed to know was how much the profit was and we split that 50-50. When it came to asking for the check, he asked how much, you know, the check was for. I told him and he's immediately said, I can't give you that much. I said, John, and obviously I'm I'm changing his name because I don't want him to know I'm talking about him, even though he will because <laughs> of the situation. But I said, John, if you give me less than what we agreed on, this contract that we have or this partnership that we have is done. Like I, I'm completely done with it. And he said, well, the problem is that we have to fund other projects. Now, remind you that profits don't fund other projects. They're, they're not supposed to. The project is supposed to fund its own project. So, but th- this, this, this is like the thing that he did. He robbed Peter to pay Paul. So what would happen was he had multiple projects. And when one project gave him, let's say, a $20,000 check, and his, one of his other projects was falling behind and they couldn't collect on a payment because they weren't at their milestone, they would take the money, including the profit, from the job that they just got money from to fund another job. And they just kept doing that for, you know, for years, even when I was there. And I, you know, was more involved with this whole thing. They were constantly robbing Peter to pay Paul. And so when it got to the point of me losing out of my profit that we agreed on, meanwhile, he would get all of his profit. He took his 7,000 and that was his. So when he had said, you know, we need to fund other projects, you know, I can only give you X amount of dollars. I immediately said, you know, if that happens, I'm done. You know, that's that's completely wrong. It's unethical. It's shady. 
It's, you know, I can think of a million different things. Not to mention this guy is very much involved with the Mormon church. And you would think that someone who is that involved with their church to, to you know, constantly be at the church, you know, and be very involved, that they would be somewhat decent of a person to to not do that. And so to make a long drawn out story short, he wound up only giving me 2000 of the 7000. I kindly told him, you know, best of luck to you as soon as he gave me that check. And we went about our separate ways. Now, where this plays a role into the current project where the vendor is not very good, or I mean, he's good with the problems that we're running into is in that company, I've worked very, very closely with a Sam, we'll call him. And Sam and I got along very, very well when I was working there. And Sam had nothing to do with whatever John and I, you know, our issues or whatever John did to me. So I had called Sam for this project because I, up until that point, I was still having trouble finding a contractor. The contractor I was working with previous to this project wound up not wanting to work with a designer anymore because he realized that he can be getting a lot of profit off of the material, even though before me, he wasn't even marking up his material. All he was doing was sending his clients to Home Depot and Lowe's. But when he started working with me, he realized that what I was doing was shopping for those materials at my vendors and getting it wholesale and then marking it up and getting profit. So once he realized he can do that as a contractor, I didn't care or I didn't matter anymore. He didn't see value in what we were doing. Even though he wasn't paying for our services, he was just, again, at that bottom line with, you know, oh, I can get deeper pockets. And so that relationship ended, you know, with that contractor. So I called Sam and I said, look, you know, this is a situation. I don't want, we'll say, J Construction. Um, I don't want J Construction to be involved in this project. If you have other contractors that you work with, please let me know. And he immediately said, oh, Tommy. We could use Tommy for this project. Now, I'm just going to lose train of thought on all these names I'm making. <laughs> so Tommy I have history with. Tommy actually did work for J Construction. And Tommy and J Construction wound up severing their relationship because Tommy had put priorities on his own work versus the work that J Construction was giving him. Ergo, J Construction was losing out of profits from projects because he was they had to push it and push it and push it. So anyway, this is becoming a long story, I'm sorry. But it's really good information because this really directly ties into finding quality vendors. Anyway, so I, I straight up said to, shit, what did I say his name was? <laughs> Sam, I straight up said to Sam, look, I don't trust this by any means whatsoever. I, I I don't, given the history that Tommy has with J Construction, I really just don't, I don't feel comfortable. I don't want my name attached to anything that he's going to do, and if, especially if it's negative. So Sam said, trust me, trust me, trust me. I said, okay, let's give it a shot. But I'll just warn you now, setting that expectation that if anything wrong comes of this, I'm blaming you and we're never doing a project together. I said that from the very beginning. So Sam went to me with the project to me. I introduced him to my clients and he started doing the bidding process for it. We got numbers for everything. Sam had said, okay, everything A through Z that we spoke about is going to be 26,500. I said, that's, 
I mean, that's pretty low for a kitchen renovation and a bathroom renovation, but I'll take it. If you say it's going to be 26500 sure. Then as long as you're fine with those numbers and as long as you go to Tommy with those numbers and make sure Tommy's okay with those numbers, then we're good to go. So he said, yeah, 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 we're all good. Demo day comes. Um, well, okay, backtrack. We bring Tommy onto the project and we go through A through Z, even with Tommy, just to get extra cushion in regards to making sure Tommy understood the project scope and the amount that Sam had quoted for that project. So we went through everything in the project site with Tommy. Tommy said, yeah, that's great. Okay, let's start demo Monday. That was a Thursday. So Thursday, when we met, he's like, let's start demo on Monday. We're like, holy crap, that's pretty quick. That's great. You know, we can get the project done. How long is it going to take? It's going to take a month. Okay, great. Perfect. Demo day comes. He brings the contract. The clients sign the the contract. Mistake number one was I didn't look over the construction contract. And the primary reason why I didn't was because it was during demo day that this contract was presented. And, And technically speaking, Work should have never started unless that contract was signed and reviewed. And the clients never even looked at that contract. They kind of skimmed over it. Mistake number two, clients skimming over the contract. And this will play a role in a little bit. Demo day comes, we're demoing everything, blah, blah, blah. Where the the problems start is where Tommy requests all the materials for the project. And I'm like, first of all, we only made the decision to start the project demo on Thursday. That's only four days ago from demo. That's not enough time to go and order everything because I still needed to, to get a check from the clients for the material. The clients hadn't actually approved all the material from that point. And so there was still a lot of work that needed to be done in order to get the material. Because we couldn't get the material, that caused a slight delay after demolition. Throughout this you know, whole ordeal, I'll skip a lot of the smaller details, but Where this project went south was we later found out after the middle of the project that Tommy said that the amount that Sam quoted 26.5 was too little for that project, that it was supposed to be like 37, 38,000. So that's like more than 10,000 more. When Tommy had said that, what we realized was that there was a lot of work quoted for that amount really at the end of the day Tommy lost out of a lot of money but what it came down to was the communication between Tommy and Sam where Sam quoted for this amount and he quoted for this amount from J Construction because that's where he worked and J Construction bid out projects very very differently than Tommy and his in his you know business because they didn't have that understanding Tommy wound up losing out of a lot of money and then we're now two and a half months and we're still not done with this project. There's a couple of things that I've learned from this situation. And it's not that Tommy's a bad contractor. There was a lot of miscommunication between Tommy and and Sam. Ultimately, that made it to where Tommy lost out of money. And then there were delays on the project. And then in conjunction with the clients not being able to make decisions uh, quick enough, as a result of clients not making decisions quick enough, we couldn't order that material quick enough for Tommy to continue. So that caused more delays. And then there were decisions from the clients that they changed last minute that also affected the, the, you know, the delay in time. So the expectation wasn't set. That's the current situation 
then I'm in with a contractor. Now, that's not saying he's a bad contractor. There weren't expectations set in the very beginning about, you know, how things are going to go. And I've changed my ways because I've never I've never had to babysit a contractor in regards to their own contract, if you know what I mean. I never had to be like, okay, Tommy, let's look at your contract and make sure that everything's okay and that your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted. That's not my forte. I'm not a babysitter. I'm not someone who should have to look at your own contract. You're in business, right? And this guy has been in business for 14 years. He's not new to the industry. And so when he took Sam's word for it, it caused a lot of problems, at least on their side. And as far as my side goes, thankfully, I my clients don't see it as my problem. They understand that I'm just a designer and the contractor is the contractor and their business is separate from my business and that, you know, they're they're very much aware of that, which is great because in the past I've I've unfortunately run into issues where the client actually tells me that it's my fault because I've recommended this contractor and that's 100% true. I should vet my contractors and understand them and be on a very level playing field with them and understanding what needs to happen and when it needs to happen and so on and so forth. So yeah, I wholeheartedly own up to the fact that I put faith into Sam into using Tommy and we still ran into problems. As a designer, organizer, planner, whatever, I find dealing with contractors one of the most frustrating parts of of any kind of project. I don't know why, but it seems to be the norm that contractors take forever to send quotes and invoice. They don't show up on time. One minute something costs this much, and the next minute it's even more because they underestimated something. You know, maybe it's just me, but they don't take direction. They're, they aren't really responsive. They aren't respectful for the clients. For example, we had to constantly tell Tommy to clean up the garbage everywhere because his guys would leave, you know, open water bottles everywhere, would leave, you know, their lunch out on the table for a day. You know, it, it's just a lot of stuff. Basically, one of the ways to finding quality vendors is trial and error, right? Do a small, a very, very small project. Never, ever, 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 ever tell your client that you recommend a contractor. What I would do is find three contractors that you are familiar with and give all three of those contractors phone numbers to the client and have your client vet them because that leaves you away from that liability. That leaves you free because if your client has three contractors to to work with and they chose one of them that wound up being bad, that's on them right? That's not on you. You didn't recommend that contract. You did to an extent, but you gave them three versus just saying, I only deal with one. How do you go about finding vendors and contractors that you can really work with? I really only have one answer when I get asked this question. It's not what you want to hear, but it's that trial and error. It's hiring one or working with one and finding out their quality, being able to work with that and you know, help them become a better contractor by telling them what to do and kind of guiding them. You you know what needs to be done as an interior designer. And so therefore, helping that contractor, if you see certain things that shouldn't happen, you need to you need to squash it. Uh, even if that contractor wasn't hired by you. By the way, interior designers cannot legally hire contractors. It is against Contractor State License Board. You cannot get money from a client to pay a contractor. All that 
has to go through the client directly to the contractor. Further, you're not allowed to profit off of the labor of the contractor because then you're charging for labor and you're not doing the labor. You can only profit off of the material. Little tidbit, sorry, got sidetracked. The key here is building relationships. That takes a lot of time. There's literally even just one project is not gonna be a relationship builder. So if they if you put them on one small project and they do good, great. Then you can put them on another project and you start building that relationship. The, the next, there's three total that I really, really go by, is getting referrals. Referrals have been the bedrock of our industry for a long time. It's how designers get a lot of their work and it's no different from finding good vendors. So ask other designers. Now, there are designers out there, and if you're one of them that are listening, I, I, I really, I'm going to try to be as nice as possible. I don't like when designers tell other designers that they don't want to recommend their vendor because that's not what gets you clients. It kind of does because if your vendor goes and you know gets a client, of course, they have every right to tell their client, oh, work with Joe Design or work with Tim over at you know X Design. And they could still do that even if you're building that relationship with them. They could still say, oh, I've worked with Kathy a long time ago, but I currently work with you know Stephanie and call both of them. If you're a designer that won't help other designers and won't give them your vendor information to help them out you are one of the reasons why this industry is frowned upon and therefore you really need to just not do it everyone look there's there's clients for everyone right there it's not like you live in a town where there's only a hundred people and you know there's maybe two designers and you guys are constantly fighting you know for for projects and if that's the case then maybe you should move to a bigger city (laughs) but This doesn't get you out of the trial and error part though. Even if you call a designer and say, hey, you know, we're local designer, let's, you know, help each other and blah, blah, blah. You still have to go through the trial and error because that vendor might be different working with you because you guys have a different chemistry than that vendor working with the other designer who referred that contractor. Not to mention, I always ask clients before any project starts, do you have anyone in mind that would be able to do this contracting part? Because if your client has a brother's or a brother whose friend of a friend is a contractor and you know your brother can vouch for it, that's that's way better than you finding a contractor and potentially the project going south and now you're basically fucked because you found this contractor out of nowhere. A friend raved to me about her contractor recently and I, I met with him for a quote. He was on time to the appointment. He asked questions. He was really uh, like a really personable guy. Then it took forever to get a quote. Then I finally see their email with quote and responded to it. I never heard from him again. So even even like referrals, they can go south even before they get to you. And that, that could be because the contractor doesn't want to work with you because they are very comfortable working with the other de- uh, designer and they feel that if they work with you that it would be stepping on the other designer's feet and that's very possible. Listen, it's, you know, we're all in business. We're all trying to get money. Congratulations. We're all trying to build an empire. Let's do it together, right? That's my view on it. And last but not least, setting expectations. Literally, this is the number one thing. Be sure to interview a contractor and let them know that they what they can expect from you. Like, for example, I tell my contractors every time we start a project, you are not to talk to the client about material. You're not to talk to the client about any design or aesthetic. You're not to talk to the client about any issues with material. You're directly to come to me. The only thing you talk to the client about is what's under your scope of work. 
If you're moving plumbing, I want to know about it. Um, if you're moving plumbing and there's an issue, I want to know about it. If you're moving plumbing and it wants to be successful, I want to know about it. I am your direct contact. I am number one person to talk to my client. That every single contractor knows. If you're a type of designer where you're like, you know what, leave design to me, leave construction to you. If you're moving a, a pipe and there's something wrong with it, you can talk to the client about that. However, what you don't realize is that, and this is the reason why I do it, if you move that pipe and there's something wrong with it and it has to be moved somewhere else, that could very much screw up the specification for that vanity or cabinet. Or the whole layout of the kitchen can literally be screwed up by that one thing and if your contractor calls your client behind your back and says that and your client says oh yeah go ahead and move it and then you find out later after the fact that that pipe was moved three more inches because of whatever reason and that vanity now doesn't fit your clients can be pissed off at you that that vanity doesn't fit completely not remembering the fact that she had actually talked to the contractor and approved that pipe moving more three inches to the left so that's why it's really important to set the expectation in the beginning because you're more likely to encounter a smooth project then if you have a talk with your contractor than in the middle of a project. Let them know what you expect. Let them know how you work as a designer. Let them know what they should do and what they shouldn't do, what they need to contact you about, and do this way before a project even starts. The three things, number one, is to do trial and error. Number two, get referrals and three, set expectations. It's inevitable. You're going to get bad contractor here or there. You're going to get great contractors here and there. It's all about how that relationship starts and how it continues. Thanks so much for listening in. Please hit that subscribe button and please do feel free to leave honest feedback if you love this podcast. And if you have any questions, concerns, or if you want to hear anything specific, reach out to Timothy at theidconsultant.com. Thanks so much. Namaste.